Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Ann Handley, author of Everybody Writes, your go-to guide to creating ridiculously good content. And you are listening to... Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on, they are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. And Hanley, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you? I am in quarantine with you, Douglas, and a cocktail. So, what else could I possibly want today? Well, thank you. Uh, and I know you're in your tiny house behind your home there in uh, the Boston area. Otherwise, what's going on in your quarantined world? Oh, my goodness. Um, let's see. All kinds of things are going on in my quarantine world. Um, and, I, you know, I probably should say that nothing is going on, but it's actually quite the opposite. Um, it's nice to be home and to notice all the things that I usually miss this time of year, because typically I would be on the road almost mm-hmm. all of all of Mar- uh, all of the spring um, and then edit, heading into early summer. So it's really nice just to be around. Um, I realize that as much as I miss people and I miss this, the travel in some ways, in other ways, it's nice to not have that kind of stress. I didn't realize how stressed out I was, to tell you the truth. So it's kind of nice just to, I don't know, just be home and at least be working at a, at a slower pace than I typically have in the past, well, many years. Mm-hmm. And I was going to see you speak at Interact Ohio mm. uh, at the end of May. And uh, you were going to be there and, and Will Leach. And I was very excited about that. And then that along with everything else, uh, it got canceled. And so that'll get moved to, I believe, next May if, if they see if they can do it then. So, yeah, I mean, I miss I miss events like that. Like that was one I was really looking forward to, not only because you and I were there, but because I have wanted to go to that event for an, a number of years. I've been talking to the organizers for a number of years, and it just never worked out. So this year was going to be our year. May was going to happen. And then, 
you know, coronavirus had other ideas. So, uh, so yeah, so it is really disappointing to not have that event. It's, it's disappointing to not be in front of audiences and to be communing with audiences. I really, really miss that a lot. And I didn't realize another thing, just how many ideas and, and how much inspiration I got just from being at events. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a little bit of a challenge too, just in terms of trying to find ways to feed that part of myself that doesn't involve traveling to events and, and, encountering people in in hallways and just having those moments of serendipity that are so wonderful at live events trying to find ways to to kind of backfill that that's been an interesting process i guess this spring yeah and then you know then then you end up having to talk to podcasters and you know (laughs) Mm, Sorry for that, yes. but uh, such a burden. I know, I appreciate it. But you know what? You talk about uh, running into people. I remember when I first met you. We had kind of met online years ago because uh, I was reading Content Rules, and I happened to set it down on the couch. And then our golden retriever happened to hop up on the couch and fall asleep right there, not touching the book. He was very respectful about where he plopped himself down, and I took a picture. And uh, said, and I tweeted it out to you. Never met you, uh, and I said, "Look who's reading the content rules." <laughs> and so, much, much later, I don't know, a year or so later, I was at the the inbound conference. I think it was, and I saw you walking down the hall, and I walked up and introduced myself, and I had a picture of the dog, mm-hmm. and framed uh, yes. the same picture. And I think you had lost you had lost your. Uh, Spaniel. Yep. Yeah. At that point. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Right before you and I started this podcast, right? But right before we started chatting, we were on video. And I regret now not showing you that that photo you gave me, as well as the one you sent me of your dog with everybody writes, (laughs) is behind me on the shelf. And I'm kicking myself now for not pointing that out to you because they are right there. Because, oh, you know, wow. I'm a massive dog person. I love oh, dogs. Yes, yes. Um, and so, yeah, I had just lost my my, span, my Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, Simon. Um, and this spring, actually, I lost my last Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, my very best friend in the entire world. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Oh, um, my I dog, Abby. Yeah, yeah, my dog, Abby, passed away. So, when, when was that? After you started in lockdown? Uh, yeah, yeah. And that, that's one of the things that I was really grateful for that I was home because I probably would not have been home for the last few weeks of her life when she was really struggling. So I'm very, very grateful to have had that time with her. Um, but yeah, she was almost 16. She was nine days short of 16. She died April 22nd. So mm. it's been just uh, just two months now. So I miss her desperately. And again, I'm not exaggerating when I say that I miss her so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that dog that the picture that you have, he's, he's no longer with us, but he, and he didn't live quite as long uh, as she did, but um, we still miss him terribly. So Mm. I know, I know. uh, And I think a lot of dog lovers out there, I'm sure they all understand uh, how, how difficult that is. Yeah. So Anne Hanley, you were, you are, uh, one of the marketing book podcast 11. Mm. I should explain. It sounds like a notorious group. It really kind I of like is. I like it though. I yeah. like it. You are, were a member of the marketing book podcast 11. What I mean by that is when I finally decided to start this podcast, like at the very end of 2014 and I had met some folks like you and read your books and, and, and I, so I made 11 little videos 
And I, I sent them to, you know, 11 authors saying, hi, you know, we, we've met uh, or, you know, I'm a big fan and I've read your book and I'm starting this podcast. I was wondering if you might be able to be one of the very first ones. And I have ultimately interviewed all 11. Uh, <laughs> there were one or two that it took a while, uh, but you were a really early supporter. You were on episode five. And tomorrow I publish episode 285. So was that for Everybody Writes? Yeah, that was for Everybody Writes. Yeah. So you were one of the very first people. So that was February of 2015. And I remember when we did the interview, there was a horrible winter storm all up and down the East Coast. (laughs) And you're Internet kept going in and out, and I was like, mm. "Oh gosh, hopefully that'll happen today." But for for listeners who haven't listened to that episode, uh, or and and maybe this is the first time they've they've heard of you, could you tell us just a little bit about who Anne Hanley is, and then I'm going to fill in all the other details. <laughs> sure. Uh, my gosh, how far back should I go? Um, I am the chief content officer of Marketing Props. Prior to that, I was the chief content officer and co-founder of uh, ClickZ. I was, in fact, or I am, I should say, the very first, as far as I know, very first chief content officer. Um, I have been a chief content officer since 2000. Sheesh. No, actually, 1999. What am I saying? 97? I don't know. Way too long. Um, No, actually not way too long because it's honestly the best job I've ever had. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, started at Clixi, have a background in in journalism. And then when the internet happened, uh, started Clixi. And then from there came to Marketing Profs um, and have written a couple of books about content and writing, uh, content rules with my good friend, C.C. Chapman, mm-hmm. and Everybody Writes, uh, which is about uh, how, to, how well, let's see, writing for content marketing age. Basically, every book that I found about writing was really geared toward journalists or novelists or, or people who wrote uh, fiction or, or other kinds of things, creative nonfiction, but I couldn't find a book for content marketing that was about writing. And so that's why I wrote Everybody Writes, uh, became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And um, yeah, that's that's me in a, in a nutshell. God, that's really hard to do. <laughs> you did it very, very well. And uh, let me just add a couple other things that you've probably forgotten about. You have more than 420,000 followers on <laughs> your, uh, on Twitter, but you're a, that's what I'm going to say is you're a LinkedIn influencer. Yes. And you were cited by Forbes as a top thought leader, and IBM said you're one of the seven people shaping modern marketing. So when I read your book, uh, let's talk about my emotions, Ann Hanley. Uh, <laughs> after I read the book, it's it's like you're still there, and when I'm writing, it's like you're sitting in the chair next to me, kind of encouraging me, making jokes, telling me to ignore what that mean seventh grade English teacher uh, once said to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, uh, I think there seems like there's so many people that um, think they can't write, mm. you know, or, or may they've been told that along the way. Mm. And your, your book really, I think uh, it pierces that myth for people. And that book has been mentioned so many times by other authors on the Marketing Book Podcast. And most recently, it was mentioned by Melanie Diesel, who's the author of the Content Fuel mm. Framework. And it was out without me prompting her. Mm. 
So it's uh, she's fantastic. Yeah, it it seems like uh, I can't think of a more difficult topic to cover in a book is a book about uh, writing. So, mm-hmm. do you feel like you have any more uh, <laughs> anything else to write in terms of a a book? Do you think you're going to want to write another one? I know you write an awful lot, just not necessarily in in books. I don't guess. Uh, true. Yes. Well, as I wrote about in Everybody Writes writing a book is like birthing a Volkswagen, right? <laughs> it's, it's, you, it's a hard thing to do and you yeah. do most of the, of the work while crying, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, just, right. it's difficult. So will I write another book? Yes. Um, I definitely will. I have a few ideas in my head. Honestly, I thought that I would be able to focus on writing a book during now, you know, during this pandemic, that hasn't quite worked out the way that I thought it might. I find that it just takes a lot of emotional uh, fortitude, I guess, that I just, I haven't been able to devote the time to um, for various reasons. But yes, to answer your question, I absolutely will will do another book. When that will be, I don't know, it, you know, eventually. Um Everybody writes was was gratifying for me because, and it's it's nice to, for to hear you say that it it was seminal for you because, you know, there are so many books out there about writing that just are not very fun to read, and my goal <laughs> with Everybody Writes was to inspire people to write as well as just make it a fun read, and I love it when I see photos on social media, on Instagram, or on Twitter. I just saw one actually uh, the other day on LinkedIn, and they're all like torn up, you know, there's all, there's like post-it notes <laughs> everywhere and they're underlined and they're high highlighted within an inch of, of their lives. And so I love that everybody writes often appears in social media looking a little, a little worn, you know, and that to me is so gratifying because that's what I want. I want a book that is, is always on somebody's desk or that they're using as a quick reference that they don't just read and toss aside and go, Oh no, that was interesting. You know, I want it to be used. And so I find that really the most gratifying thing as an author is when I see that, when I see books like that, that are used up and that aren't just, you know, looking pretty on a shelf. So, yeah. So that's why I I love to to see it. And I love to hear that people use it and that they have, that maybe it's changing their mind about writing a little bit, that they do think they, they come away from reading that book with a little bit of inspiration, a lot of knowledge, and they're just excited to write. It's a good one to reread too. It just it just occurs to me, and uh, one of the many reasons why. And I can't remember what the joke was, but there was one part of the book that had me laughing so hard I was crying. It was something. Oh, I think <laughs> it was something about hashtags. Oh my gosh! Now I'm going to have to go find it. The book is still back at the office, and everyone's left the office. <laughs> but the book I, is in quarantine. Yeah, well, the office now—it's like all the—you know—we've all we're going to give up. I'm going to give up the lease, and but there's like all the computers are out, and there's just yeah. there's still a whole bunch of books left there and some furniture. And it's funny because um, my daughter, who was a senior in college, mm. uh, she came home for spring break and got an email that said, "You can't come back." Mm-hmm. And uh, then there was no graduation, but she's a rather enterprising person. And uh, so I said, Emma, you know, there's a bunch of furniture left there. If, if you can sell it, um, you, you can have the money. Well, <laughs> that place is clearing out rather nicely. Oh, so wow. 
That's amazing. I didn't realize you had a daughter graduating college. My daughter also graduated college this spring. Oh, I was going to ask about that. I didn't know if she, oh, so what did she, I remember she went abroad uh, earlier on. Yeah, she went abroad earlier on, but she graduated from Northeastern College, uh, Northeastern University here in Boston this, Uh uh, this, this spring. So, yeah. Oh, and what, what did she major in? She majored in business, political science, and entrepreneurship, ultimately. So right now, she's working for Toast in Boston. Toast is a technology company. They sell point-of-sale systems to restaurants, uh, point-of-sale and, and restaurant management systems to, to restaurants. So she's been working there. Yes, yeah, so I think her, there's some former HubSpotters there, too. Yeah, I think so. She's up in uh, in this spare bedroom, or I should say in her bedroom, um, while while we we're speaking right now. So she's also been home since beginning of or middle of March or so. We just celebrated a hundred days of her being home. So. Uh-huh. But who's counting? <laughs> I think she is, but you know, <laughs> do you know who is counting is uh Jenny Dietrich. Is she? Every day on social media, she's said like, uh, uh, what is it? She calls it a uh, quarantine day 100. Today's 102, just in case you're for those people playing the home game. But she documents something funny that's happening every day with her daughter, who's seven. And it's uh, it's it's been a lot of uh, a lot of fun to keep track of. And that's that's how I know what day it is. Yeah, that's pretty, she's probably around the same time because Caroline came home on March 15th. And what is now to now as, as you and I are speaking, it's June, June 25th. So, yeah, it's just over 100. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of kids, was it your son who designed the cover of Everybody Writes? Yes. Well, he, no, he didn't design the cover, but he did draw the glasses. The okay. The on the front. Yeah. He is a, he is an artist and um, furniture maker. He lives up in southern Maine with his girlfriend and their two incredibly cute dogs. So. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah just, you know, keep it in the family there. Yes. So I've got to mention... I'm just going down Anne Hanley memory lane here, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's I'm excited. So what I should mention though, is that at, at your episode show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com, we're going to have all the links to every lot, lots of Anne Hanley things, but we're going to include a picture of you and me at a marketing profs B2B event. Remember those live events you once went to mm-hmm. uh, in Thank Boston you. and there was an Oktoberfest party that night and there's a, you were wearing, uh, you know, you were looking very Alpine. You had, um, you know, the German hat on and uh, I guess some, some sort of uh, Oktoberfest dress. And I, uh, Lederhosen. I Lederhosen, I'm sorry. Yes. And I wasn't wearing Lederhosen or an Oktoberfest dress, but I had a, a blonde wig on with braids. So, you know, kind of Pippi Longstocking sort of thing. And, uh, I don't remember any of this, but someone took our picture, and at that point, you were taking a bite out of one of the braided uh, out of the braids, mm-hmm. and that's that's going on there. And it's you know I'm you 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 like those pictures with the the dog and your books. <laughs> that's the picture that I that's that so I cherish. Funny. Yes, that's yeah, good. I I yeah, that that sounds like me. So, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. you know, there's just such, such inhibitions. Um, so it took me a second, by the way, when you said you were dressed like you were dressed like Alpine, I was like, "Who's Alpine?" It took me a second. I was like, "Who's <laughs> that guy?" Alpine. Yeah, you know, like, uh, like high on a hill know? with a lonely goat herd. <laughs> no, I get it now. Like okay. Alpine, one word. But for yeah. a second, I was like, I thought the guy's first name was Al. His last name was Pine. So. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure there's a listener out I'm, there. Named I'm extremely like literal. You know, my Al Pine. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at another event, I think it was Content Marketing World 2018. You gave this keynote, 
and it was fantastic. And you talked about this brand new tactic in marketing that no one had ever heard of, and it was called newsletters. (laughs) And just the fact that you were talking about that in a in a new and fresh way, and you you know you, you talked about the importance of having a real voice and being human and having some humanity mm-hmm. in the newsletters. And you know, I think there's still majority of them are very uh, sort of uptight and nervous seeming. But you gave these examples of great newsletters from companies that have that they seem like a real person. And I saw you after you gave that talk and I told you about this one client we have where we had been doing that and everybody thought we were crazy. And it's his, it's his voice and they're really, really popular and he's, he's doing them. And, uh, but it still seems so counterintuitive uh, to Mm. people. And I was thinking about that when I saw on your blog, uh, the importance of of having some humanity and you talk about, you know, a little less emphasis on the news people, <laughs> a little more on the letter. Right. And right. you had this post, uh, which I'll include on your, your show notes, but it was talked about the one thing your marketing needs <laughs> to, to thrive now of all times, you know, in this yes. COVID-19 yes. world. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, it was a couple of years ago that I gave that talk at Content Marketing World. And the idea of talking about a, a newsletter seemed, you know, at the time sort of, well, lame, right? It's, shouldn't we be talking about TikTok live? Yeah, or TikTok or, you know, um, you know, live video or, you know, figuring out how to market on WhatsApp or something, you know, that we haven't even thought of yet. Um, but my fundamental belief is that most companies, most brands outside of your clients, it sounds like, are vastly <laughs> well, it's just that one client. That one client. And he it's watched the guy. video of your keynote and he was yeah. so excited. Maybe he maybe he's still nervous about it, but it really clenched it for him. Oh, wow. Who's the, who's the client, can you say? Yeah, it's uh, Larry Lombardi. And yes, he is related to Vince Lombardi, the famous football coach. And oh, he's yeah. the economic development director for uh, Currituck County. So at the Outer Banks, and, you know, he's competing with a hundred other counties, you know, and uh, so we, and he's a real character and he's really uh, very lively and extremely popular. Hmm. And these, these newsletters that he does, if anyone goes to thinkcurituck.com, they can sign up for him, but they just, um, he, Currituck, how do you spell that? C-U-R-R-I-T-U-C-K. So it's just south of Virginia Beach, and it's Currituck County where the a lot of the Outer Banks are, and Mm. extremely popular place. But they so everyone goes there for the beach, and uh, and you're all invited. But they also, you know, they there's other businesses there that they're um, that they they need to have an economic development director there for. But um, what's interesting about that newsletter? And sorry to carry on about it, but he he gets such a response from it, meaning. A lot of people reply back and say, oh, Larry, thank you so much for this. And then they go on to tell their whole story and he shares them with us. It's it's mm. it's remarkable. But I, you got me to interrupt yeah. you. I'm sorry. 
No, no, it's good. It's You're not interrupting because I think what you're doing is just making my point beautifully, which is that most businesses, most organizations, aside from, aside from Larry Lombardi, vastly undervalue the role that an email newsletter can play and the, its importance in marketing. And the reason I believe that is because I think a lot of marketers, a lot of businesses spend a lot of time chasing that connection with their customers. And what have we been sort of brainwashed to hear is that the connection should be through social media, because that's the most direct way that you can interact with your prospects, with your customers. But, you know, I think that at one time that that was 100% true, I think it's really, really difficult right now to have that kind of success on social media on a consistent basis. And so while I do believe that's important for brands and for companies to show up on social media, I think ultimately the place where they can have the most impact on their business, like there's all kinds of reasons why I think companies should be on social media from a brand standpoint, Mm -hmm. but from a pure business standpoint, and you just proved it with Larry, um, from a pure business standpoint, I think the email newsletter is ultimately the place to where you can really have the strongest impact. Um, And I believe that because it's the only place that the person who's the recipient at the other end of that email is opting in, right? They're telling the brand of the company, they're telling Larry, I want to hear from you. Whereas on social media, the algorithm is deciding whether or not that person is going to see your post, your Instagram story, you know, whatever the case may be. And so the email newsletter is the only place where people and not algorithms are in charge. And so that's the place that I really want to be as a marketer, because that's a direct line to my customer. And it's an opportunity to differentiate yourself. Because again, most brands are completely missing the boat. They're thinking of it as an opportunity to distribute content instead of thinking about it as an opportunity to communicate directly with the heart and the mind of one person, mm-hmm. um, you know, your opportunity to be in their email newsletter in, in their inbox is, is so critical and we don't respect it enough. I don't think now there are other opportunities to do that. You know, I think podcasts are another opportunity to connect directly with one person. Um, I think a, a video is, is a video series, you know, a video podcast series could be, you know, is equally as, as viable, but I think email newsletters, have the lowest bar for a lot of brands and a lot of brands are already using them. So let's try to use that opportunity a lot more effectively. Um, and you mentioned the news and not the letter that's become one thing that I talk about all the time, which is that in as brands, as companies, we tend to focus more on the news part of that word. We focus on the news part because that's what we we think about what we want to say. We think about what, we're trying to distribute in the the action that we're trying to drive instead of thinking about the letter piece of it. And the letter piece of it is that opportunity to connect with one person. So when you sit down to write your email newsletter to communicate with that one person, think about like, think about being like Larry, not like a brand, right? If he wrote his newsletter, think Currituck as Kuratuk, right? It would have a whole different vibe to it. And so I think the email newsletter is an opportunity to play with it a little bit more, like just to, to lean into that personality and, and let yourself, you know, enjoy that opportunity. Um, it's certainly what I try to do with my own email newsletter. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I've seen a lot of success with that. My email newsletter feels very different than anybody else's email newsletter. And why is that? It's because it's 100% me. You know, it's my voice. It's my personality. I'm connecting with one person who's on the other end of that inbox. So I don't start an email newsletter saying, hey, friends or dear subscribers. Attention recipients. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) I should use that. Um, No, instead I'm saying like, you know, hey, hi, you. You're one person. You're not a thousand people opening up this email all crowded into your into your office on a Sunday morning when my email newsletter goes out. So, um, yeah. So I think it just shifts your mindset, and I think ultimately it makes for a much more viable product. And by product, I mean communication. Yes, and when I have spoken to like a new client or something like that, and we talk about newsletters because there's a variety of things they need to be doing. You know, it's it's not just a couple tactics like the old days. Um, they'll say, "Oh, well, we're gonna be. We don't, we don't want to spam people. We don't want to be that person." <laughs> that's that's where we're saying, "Well, look, it's it's more about the letter <laughs> than the news, and it starts yeah. to move them off the ledge." Like, "Oh, yeah, oh, you mean it's something?" And I say, "Yeah." Like, or I, I often hear a Jay Bear talk about how it's going to be something that people would miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we're shooting for here, and they're like, "Oh, okay," and then you know, then they start to see it. But the initial reaction is, "Oh, no, no, no!" It'd be like going and saying. We want you all to do cold calling and nothing else. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, I was chatting with uh, Lee Oden uh, the other day for uh, Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. And, of course, you know, uh, your ears must have been burning because we were talking about Ann Hanley. Mm-hmm. But he talked about Ann Hanley and tap dancing. You were mm-hmm. tap dancing on social media and somehow I missed that. Yeah. Who are you talking to? Sorry, you cut off for a second for me. Lee Oden. Oh, you're talking about Lee. Oh, taking a Lee. Oh, nice. Um, yes, in fact, I I did a virtual event this spring, this May. Uh, it was for Christina Halverson, a good friend of mine. She produces a fantastic event for content strategists called Confab. Have you ever been to that, or do you know that event? No, but I know her, of her. I know of her. I've never met her. Yeah, she's great. She's such a good person, and and I would do anything for her. So when she said to me that one of the things that they were doing at their event was to have a talent show for people who are part of the Confab community. Uh, and she asked me if I would if I would do something, and I was like, sure, absolutely, in a heartbeat, I would do anything for her. Um, and so it was my idea to tap dance. I am not a very good tap dancer, but um, I I took it for a few years as a grown up, not as a child, and um, and I had I just had fun with it. So yeah, I cleared out my tiny house. I created a little dance floor in here. And um, I tapped, danced to Happy. You can see it on my Instagram, actually. There's a little clip of it on there. Oh, great. Yeah. I, I have, I should, I should uh, confess, my social media has um, plummeted. Really? <laughs> I think my, my, my consumption of that as well as a lot of news. <laughs> I've been, yeah. I guess maybe it's like a kind of, I've been maybe well, like you. You've been talking about being a little more mindful. I I just been more uh, like like uh, being on a diet where you're maybe thinking a little bit more about what you're putting in. So I've been really trying to. I I, my for some reason my social media usage is plummet, so I've missed out on some Mm -hmm. of these things. But I've been subscribing to a lot more email newsletters. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm typical. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I actually am not on social a ton. Well, what am I saying? I am on. I'm on Instagram. I am on uh, 
Twitter consistently. Mm-hmm. This, during this quarantine, I've actually gotten more into LinkedIn, but I've gotten far less into Facebook. Um, and that had been a long time coming, honestly. Since about the 2016 election, I've been getting less and less into uh, yes. Facebook. And, um, and so that's continued. But LinkedIn has actually been pretty fun. One of the ways that I've felt like I started this conversation talking about my need to backfill with that sort of serendipity that happens when you're at a live event. And so one of the things that I've been doing over the quarantine is doing a LinkedIn live show with my friend, Marcus Sheridan. Yes. I was watching um, it today. I love it. Yeah. Man. And so we, we haven't done it for a couple weeks, but um, that was very, very fun. And right after all of this COVID stuff happened way back in March, um, he called me up and he's like, you know, we should do something together. And so we thought about just doing this, this podcast or this, um, this live video show, we called it in this together and Uh focused on how do we as people, not just as companies, but as people, as marketers, as salespeople, how do we navigate you know, this, this new reality that we're all sort of thrust into unexpectedly. Um, so that was really gratifying. We started out doing it twice a week and then um, eventually once a week. And it was just a great, fun way to connect with people in real time, you know, just like you would at a live event. And, um, and yeah, I really loved that so much. And I just, it, it really filled a void that was so important for me, especially when all this first started going down. And I know for Marcus too. Yes. And uh, I think in a similar way, that's what I didn't know what to do, but I needed to interact. And I guess somehow subconsciously, I just reached out to all, to the authors and said, I was thinking, how could I help? But also I, I know I needed some kind of uh, interaction and I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And mm-hmm. so I, th- it was a similar thing where I was getting certain emotional needs met that I'm probably still not uh, aware of. And the authors have all mm-hmm. been so unbelievably uh, forthcoming and helpful because they all want to help too. And, and uh, so with uh, I sent that email out just saying, what do you think of this idea? And would you be interested? So it went out to over 200 authors and within an hour, over 100 responded (laughs) and they said, Doug, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not traveling. I'm obviously sitting at my desk and a surprising number said, and I'm drinking anyway. So, you know, <laughs> I'll talk to you, Doug. I mean, even though I don't have a new book, but uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's worked out really well. But I have to say that, you know, you, you talked about how you did it a little bit more in the beginning and now you haven't done it for a couple of weeks mm. with this interview Anne Hanley, I'm going to pause this series mm. now that I've been able to interview Anne Hanley. Yeah. Uh, this will air just before the July 4th weekend. And I can bring it back if, you know, the, the need arises, but I, I will have done 66 of these. And uh, I, uh, the listeners have found it helpful and the authors have had a good time and I've had a blast, but my liver needs a break, Anne. And <laughs> so, well, what else, anything else you've been doing uh, during this uh, crazy pandemic to, to keep yourself just entertained? I mean, aside from work. Oh yeah. Um, I've been reading a lot. I, 
have made more of an effort to, you know, you talk about just getting off of news. I've been trying to not get on my phone uh, because that was causing a lot of anxiety, especially at the beginning of this whole pandemic. Um, so yeah, I've been talking about like less news, more letter. It's been less news and, and more books for me during Good this for you. pandemic. So yeah, that was really gratifying. I've read a lot. Um, my favorite book that I read during this whole time was called Priest Daddy. It's by Patricia Lockwood. Patricia Lockwood is a poet, um, and I've never read anything. I've read some of her her work, but I've never read um, any of her prose. And she's and maybe that maybe she hasn't published any. I'm not sure about that actually. But um, but fantastic book. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I love the way that she writes in images as a poet would. Um, but it wasn't annoying. It's hilarious. She's such a great writer. So vivid. Can't recommend it enough. Um, love that. And what else did I read? I read, this is sort of a funny book, but I read Who Moved My Cheese. Oh, have yeah. Read, have you ever read that book? Long, long time ago, but oh, I still remember it. Yeah, it was, you know, I gotta say, probably one of the worst books I've ever read. <laughs> I think it just, I don't know whether it just hasn't aged well, no pun intended. Oh, really? Thing, but oh my gosh. Yeah. Just, I was like, wow, I can't believe that this book is what it is. Um, yeah, not a fan. I so, probably read that less than 25 years ago, but not much, <laughs> but you know, the one thing I did remember, I, I guess the only thing I really remember from the book, uh, it was very short and a friend yes. at work said, you really need to read this because I uh, was thinking about leaving this agency and starting my own thing, which I ultimately did. But I remember um, the only thing I remember from that book was something in it where they said, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Mm. Was that, does that ring a bell? Yes. yes. That's the only thing I recall. And I, I still think about that, mm. oh, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what the rest of the. Yeah. What, well, uh, you know what? Maybe that's around. enough because the book itself is only like 40 pages. Maybe I'm just being <laughs> harsh, Doug. Maybe I am. Well, you are Anne Hanley. You know, I, had, I had a lot of trouble with the writing. I just thought it was a little bit, I don't know, not quite as, uh, not quite as sophisticated, I guess, as I would like. But yeah, it's extremely popular. And I guess, yeah, I maybe the short. The, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I read that because it came up in conversation with, um, with a friend and he said, he was talking about it and he, he sort of said it in an offhand way. And I was like, you know, I've actually never read that book. So took the opportunity to read it. And it was like, I wish I could unread it really, but not so much. I did not enjoy it, but uh, anyway. Well, please don't associate oh, yeah. the book with me, okay? I won't. No, I won't. But it's funny that you have that memory from it. So the other thing I've been doing is puzzles. Really? Jigsaw puzzles, which I have to say I do not enjoy. Oh, but, it but you've does, tried a few? I've tried a few. It does keep me off my phone. Again, it's just the... Um, just trying to change it up a little bit and, and stay sane, I guess. So it's been effective at that. Uh, and it's a nice group activity. You can do it with family members instead of just, you know, everyone you sit around, um, you know, watching TV or something. It's just kind of nice to have that to focus on. So Yes, yes, yeah. that's interesting. Since we're all together, we might as well have, um, have some quality time together. Yeah, that's good. So I, I see uh, Patricia Lockwood, Her it was Priest Daddy, and it was named one of the 10 best books of 2017 by the New York times. Yeah. I'll make sure to include links to all these things so people can find them uh, quickly. So when do you think you might get back on a plane? Oh, wow. 
a mutual friend. Do you know Ahava Liebtag? Do you know Ahava? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I've seen her speak, I, uh, but I've never actually uh, met her. Okay. I know her. I know one of her relatives. <laughs> oh, really? Who's a listener. Yes, a listener to the Marketing Podcast. And we were, uh, and then we talked a few times and he said, you know, do you know my cousin, my first cousin? I said, no, but I know who she is. And she wrote The oh, Digital Crown. Funny. No, was it The Digital Crown? Yes. Yes, she did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I started to say our mutual friend because I just always assume that everybody in marketing knows each other, but I, I realize that that's probably not always the case. Um, no, I have a great friend. She's a fantastic marketer. She's spoken at a number of marketing profs events, content marketing world. Yeah, she does lots of different um, speaking and training, and she's a content strategist as well. So she traveled yesterday on an airplane for the first time and since all of this craziness happened. And I saw her Instagram story that she was checking into, ho- into a hotel and the room was sealed, you know, like with a, um, like with like uh, almost with a, like a sticker, you know, that you could tell if someone had been in the room after it was cleaned. And so she was checking into her, t- her hotel and I was blown away. Cause I thought, wow, it's like, she is the first person. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm blown know. away just hearing about this. Yeah. Who I, know Cause I don't know anyone that's done that. No, who's traveled for business. She was, she was in Dayton, Ohio to give a workshop. So she was the first one that I know. And I said to her just over, you know, I messaged her and I was like, wow, I don't think I'm ready for that. So to answer your question, I don't know when I'll be ready for it. I know it's not anytime soon. I don't like flying even in the best of circumstances. (laughs) So I will do anything to avoid being on an airplane. I've accepted it as a function of my life because if I'm going to do a lot of public speaking, which I do if I'm going to go to events, then I have to fly to get there, but it's not my most favorite thing to do. And in fact, I loathe it pretty, pretty uh, severely. So I'm not anxious to get on a, on a plane at all. I'm not anxious to stay at a hotel at all to breathe air that's been recycled. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty shy about the whole thing. Well, I don't know. I haven't run into anyone that feels pressure to yet. Yeah. Um, and that's good. And I hope that that stays that way for a while. So, yeah. Well, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, catch up with you here on Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. And I hope that, you know, if you write other books, you keep in mind this guy I know who hosts a podcast where he interviews authors uh, about new books. I, th- I think I can get a word in, you know. <laughs> you, you know a guy? I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. You know, we're not sure about him, but his guests are really good. So um, that I think that would work out well. But I hope that you and the family and everybody in your world continue to stay um, safe and healthy. And again, I appreciate the opportunity to, to catch up with you here on this limited time series that's now going to be paused. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm honored to close out this series. And thank you for all you do. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy. 
120 South Central Avenue Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.